Welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. This is Don Wick. Back with us this week, Katie Tangen, Market Education Specialist with Ag Country. And Katie, this past week was a, another crazy one for these markets, especially as it relates to China. What's your take on, on where we're at today? You know, last week at this time, it was a pretty tough day for both corn and beans. We had almost limit down moves that we've recovered so quickly you know, after we got off the weekend, kind of stabilized. And then Tuesday really found some footing. And over the last week, we've also had a number of export sales purchased, both for corn and beans. But corn is one that's really getting attention right now. Um, Friday, as we end up the week, actually the second largest export sale on record, um, again to China. And it, it's coming at prices that are still you know, pretty high. So I, I think it is raising some discussion about whether or not these prices are doing their job of rationing demand. Um, and obviously we won't know that until we get a little bit further into this. But I think in the background we also have to look at a few other things that have gone on. Um, part of it is that China has uh, taken some steps that appear to threaten Taiwan in some respects, and it's flying over the airspace and things like that. Also things that the Biden administration has said they're not really in favor of, and we don't know what kind of you know, retaliation or, or if there will even be. But um, just kind of keep that in the back of the mind, that it could be some purchases ahead of what China expects, you know, some sort of steps against them. Um but that in mind, it's not real different than any other time when we see a big run-up in price. We have to look where the risk really lays. Is, is the risk as a producer that prices go higher? Or is it more that the risk, are you more concerned that prices might decline? And if your feeling is that you are going to really regret it if prices go lower, then I think we need to start looking at taking some steps to at least put a floor in. You know, we don't have to do an outright cash sale next necessarily, but... Um, you know, maybe buy some puts or make a cash sale and buy some calls to open up the, the top side. It's interesting. China's traditionally a big soybean buyer. That's doing this corn business that we've had really over the past uh, year, I guess. But this week, really, that that's what brings it to, to the light, doesn't it? it? It really does. And when you look back, China, you know, traditionally has not purchased much corn. You know, every now and then they made a, bought a couple cargoes, but... Uh, when we look at the past four years or so, particularly when when the trade war just started, China had added, I think, 200 million metric tons of corn that they, they found. Well, USDA had to put that on their balance sheet. That's their policy. It's always been a little bit suspect about whether or not those um, stocks were really there. And if they were there, you know, what kind of condition are they in? All that sort of thing. You know, so that's part of this is... The balance sheet is real fuzzy right now. We don't know, did they have $200 million? Most people don't believe that they ever did. You know, did they have $100 million? Did they have none of it? And we still don't typically know. The buying would indicate that those are not, were never there. The other part of this is that they have been able to replace their line herd at a pretty rapid rate, and it's going much faster than a lot of analysts had expected, and they have to feed those animals, too. So between the two coming together, I think we're really finding some footing. It does catch the market off guard, though, because they're really traditionally China is not a factor. So here at home, what's that uh, 
that uh, rally going uh, doing to livestock ethanol what's it doing to this domestic market then that's that's the tough part um you know livestock it, it takes a little bit longer before we see an, an impact because obviously if the animals are there they still have to be fed now is it putting a pinch on the bottom lines of feedlots and uh, hog finishers and poultry growers yes it is and that will come around eventually obviously the the patterns of production are a little bit different for each. Poultry will adjust the fastest, beef will be the slowest, but we are seeing an impact there. Ethanol has struggled um, on and off, and more so, you, it, we go back to the beginning of the year, it was because the price of oil was too low. Now that has come up, but now it's that the price of corn is too high. So two, a little bit different reasons, but there certainly is a pinch there, and ethanol in general having some concern about where they end up in, you know, an eco-friendly plan under a new administration. And I think they're still trying to sort a lot of things out. I think we are going to continue to see an industry, though, where really the most efficient survive, and those that are maybe the older plants, things like that, struggle. Does this put more onus on what happens in this next crop report, or is it uh, pretty quiet till we get to planting intentions in March? I think the export number will be watched very closely, if only because USDA reduced um, that number in the January report. You know, we we really tightened down stocks in January, but at the same time, we'd also reduced demand. That would be watched very closely in February. I don't think anyone really wants to see that number get too much below where it is right now. So they will be watching the usage very closely, but you're right. Until we get a little bit closer to that March time frame, um, we're going to switch gears at that point and become a little bit more of a production-driven market. Remember, mid-February, we also have some initial estimates from USDA. Those are really for budgetary purposes, and I think we need to keep that in mind this time. That's for the USDA's budget. It's not necessarily a good gauge of where we come out by the time we get to the end of March. Talk about these prices where we're at today uh, it also has some implications obviously when we get into this month of february with uh, uh, how things are, are priced out there at least how it uh, averages out for the month it does so february is when we're going to set our uh, spring price guarantees for spring wheat and corn and soybeans and a host of other crops those would be the main ones um, if you buy a revenue protection policy and, and most do so they'll average the november contract of soybeans as it trades through the month of February. Corn, they'll average the December contract. Uh, and spring wheat, they'll average the September contract as it trades through February. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a good start. It gives us our guarantees for the year. It gives us, um, you know, a, a dollar figure we can work with. And we can, I don't know if it's our be-all, end-all of our marketing plan, but it, it's certainly a, a good starting spot if you haven't already made sales. You mentioned earlier we've got a change in administrations, obviously, and, and typically when that happens, we kind of put a hold on some of the things that were done previously, and that was done this past week with uh, supplemental CFAP uh, payments being suspended. Um, do you think that's just a, a short-term situation? I do. I, I think it raised some red flags, but if you put it in context of the Trump administration had done this in one of the closing days, it was among a whole host of other things that maybe affected agriculture and maybe didn't. 
but from what I understand, it's pretty standard operating procedure for the new administration to suspend uh, old executive orders until they have a chance to go through it and look at it. This was part of a, a mass deal. It wasn't aimed specifically at that payment. And then also keep in mind, this is separate from that $20 payment that was passed as part of the, the bill at the end of the year. This is really just that supplemental part. FSA is still taking applications. They're just not making payments. Katie Tangen from Ag Country. That's the latest edition of Rural Perspectives sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Of course, you can find out more at agcountry.com. I'm Don Wick for the Red River Farm Network.